Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Well, here we go, and not what we were expecting, and certainly not what Tennessee and Tennessee's fan base was hoping for with what could have been a monumental win against Florida, first win in 20 years. That will be extended after the Vols fall to the Gators on Saturday. So with Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. We recap what happened in the swamp and uh, several other issues, including uh, a sighting for uh, marijuana possession. Also, a lot of fans getting on one player in particular that I think is incredibly unfair. And we'll give it our torchbearer awards. We'll also give out a report card. So we've got a lot to get to be. We want you involved as well as much as anything else. So we've got a a ton and Spencer Riley will join us. So that is always a fantastic time. But let's go ahead and get to it. It is today's tough question and it is brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. Zen Sports. Here we go. Today's tough question is now. Tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. 
First of all, I should have said hello. How are you? Caleb uh, yeah, Dave never cares about how I'm doing, guys. You'll ever notice that? I do. <laughs> I do. That's not true. Uh, but how are you, Caleb? I'm good. How are you doing, Dave? I'm well. Uh, today's tough question is this. What happened at the swamp? So I'm going to go ahead and tell you exactly what happened at the swamp. There have been times in which Tennessee hasn't played well that I felt a little unsure of why, that I wasn't completely sure why Tennessee didn't play well or if there was something off the field. South Carolina is a prime example last year. Now it is absolutely incredibly clear. And some of you are already on the Nico bandwagon. Some of you are holding fast to the Joe bandwagon. And listen to what I'm about to say, because I'm not going to blast Joe Milton at all. I don't think it is 100% his fault. But what's wrong with the Vols? Okay. Here's what happened, even as far back as last year against South Carolina. Although that's this isn't the reason they lost the game. That was the Jeremy Banks off-field issue. Teams began at that point playing back against Tennessee. They didn't want to get beat with the deep ball. They didn't want to get embarrassed 60-something to 17. They were over that. Clemson did it. That's why so many passes were open underneath. So that's the evolution of defending Josh Heupel's system. Comment now. Go ahead and click that like and subscribe button and we'll get right to you. So the issue is the deep pass is not there. And when it is, Tennessee, and I'm going to use the Dante Thornton pass as an example, those aren't getting completed nearly enough. So the Dante Thornton pass, I believe, was underthrown. It took him too, it took Joe Milton too long to get the ball out. But at the end of the day, Dante Thornton does have to go out and make that catch. I'm talking about the one over the middle. I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. So now the Brew McCoy pass was excellent. But if you have to hit a clip at 20%, let's just throw a number out there. Uh, on deep passes to cause defenses to react, Tennessee is not doing that. The problem is then exacerbated by Tennessee is not hitting at a high clip. I'm talking 60 to 70% underneath, which is exactly what teams are trying to force Tennessee to do. Does Joe Milton throw a heavy ball? Has he been accurate? Yes, should Tennessee's players have caught a lot of those passes, especially going back to the Austin P game? Absolutely. This is not all on Joe Milton. So they're not hitting a high enough percentage on the deep balls, which teams are taking away. And then they're not hitting a high enough percentage on the short to intermediate passes to make teams roll up. That's not an absolute. I'm not saying they're missing every one. But that's where Tennessee is. Tennessee's defense isn't designed to hold up, nor is any defense, for long periods of time. Tennessee's defense is designed to attack. Tennessee's defense knows that they're going to make mistakes with their multiple looks. 
And the idea is you flip the field with a turnover or a big sack that ends a drive and you get the ball back with a short field. I'm telling you exactly what is wrong with Tennessee encapsulated in one segment. And we're going to get Caleb's take. And we're also going to go take a look at the blame pie, which will tie into this. So Tennessee's defense was out of sorts, no question about it, on Saturday, took bad angles, missed tackles. But again, they are not asked to be fundamentally sound like, let's say, a Georgia defense throughout that wants to complement its offense who has the ball for a long time. So that's the 20,000-foot view of what's wrong with Tennessee and why things didn't go well at the Swamp. It's also why they had a players' meeting. It is also what happened against Austin P and why they didn't score 60 against a very bad opponent. That is where Tennessee is right now. How do you remedy that? No, it is absolutely not a quarterback switch. And somebody has already talked about the officials, and we can get into that. But if Tennessee has a higher percentage of both those deep and underneath passes, we're not having that discussion. So officials did have a horrible game, I thought, that went against Tennessee. I don't believe it was intentional. I've seen some of that. I think that's that's a little bit silly. Travis says, outcoached, undisciplined, soft, a whole multitude of things, but the refs have not done their job. I think that's well said, and I agree with that. So that is where you are. How do you fix it? You have got to be more efficient on the short to intermediate passes. And when we say intermediate passes, Caleb, you and I discussed this last week. Some of those intermediate passes were slants to Jalen Hyatt that he took to the house and they ended up looking like long passes. Let's not forget this. Hendon Hooker had a special season. Jalen Hyatt had a special season. We probably under-considered the impact they had on Tennessee's football team last year. So there you go. That's what's wrong. Tennessee has to have a higher percentage much higher percentage of passes first underneath to make teams roll up a little bit, and then the deep pass will um, open. That is it. That is the problem. If you want to blame the receivers or you want to blame Joe Milton for drop passes or inaccurate throws, respectively, go for it. I'll let you play that game. I've talked to several former players and people within Tennessee's program, and you get both answers. So, Caleb, that's it. That's what's wrong with Tennessee's football team. Can it get fixed? I believe so. But we're going to see in the upcoming weeks if it does get fixed, because if it keeps going this route, you're talking about an eight-win team as opposed to still potentially, if everything were to click, a 10-win team, which doesn't sound possible on the Monday after a Florida loss, but it still is. Uh, this team has shown great bounce-back ability. I think they'll do the same. But at the end of the day, Caleb, that is what's wrong with Tennessee's football program. I'm sorry. I actually somewhat disagree with you. I think Saturday's game is a lot simpler. 
Are they missing on more throws than they missed last year with Hendon Hooker? Yeah. Is there a Jalen Hyatt? No. Wouldn't have mattered if the offensive line on the interior could block worth anything when they were trying to run the ball. I mean, I'm sorry. That's You're right. They're playing a lot softer coverages to take away the deep ball. That's why hype ball for people who questioned this. That's why he stayed committed to the run game in the second half because he that's Heupel's offense. That's what it's designed for. Jalen Wright had to fight for every yard. He averaged under four yards a carry. Who watched Jalen Wright on Saturday and blames him for averaging under four yards a carry? No, that's not his fault at all. Well, we're talking about two different things. I'm talking about the 20,000-foot view. You're at the gate. You're at the gate seeing that Cooper Mays is hurt. And that and Tennessee does not have the depth. So if you want to go there, certainly that's a factor. But if Tennessee against Austin P is efficient and Florida realizes they have to cover the intermediate passes, they're going to hit, hit on some deep balls. But the root problem is they're not getting the efficient passing game that they have. Certainly, Cooper being back would be huge. And I want to address Cooper and the fact that some of you are upset with Cooper for not playing. That is certainly a problem, what you said. But as far as big picture philosophically, Tennessee and their passing game is the issue, whether or not you want to blame the quarterback or you want to blame the receivers for dropping the ball. So the Austin P game, I do think, Altered how Florida was going to play. You're right. If Tennessee hits on the intermediate route to the Austin P game, Florida probably plays up and allows some of those deep passes. By the way, Florida, there, the, the deep shots were there. I mean, the first drive, Tennessee hit, wasn't it Squirrel White on that first deep shot that set up the touchdown pass to Ramel Keaton? Yes. I believe it was. Yeah, so it was there. They hit. There was one to Dante Thornton that Thornton should have made. There was another one Dante Thornton did catch, to his credit. And then there was the touchdown pass to Brew McCoy. The deep shots were there. I think that – so I agree. There, there are too many issues when they're throwing over the middle right now. Joe Milton doesn't have enough touch on the ball. Brew McCoy should have caught one of those passes over the, Milton, over the middle on a key third down. And Joe Milton also, I'm just going to say this, doesn't have the best command of the offense, hence the delay of game penalties. Also doesn't have the best pocket presence. There are clear instances where Joe Milton it's, – it's very obvious he's not as good as Hendon Hooker. Now, you can still win with Joe Milton and the rest of the team around him. But part of this is if they're going to take away the deep shots, Heupel's offense depends heavily on being able to run the ball. I mean, heavily. Dave, we're going to have to also wonder, one of the debates is maybe Heupel's offense is not built to – you, you don't think about this because of the tempo they run. They're not really built to come back, though. No, but again, this goes back to the intrinsic problem that Tennessee has. Josh Heupel is not calling the same plays, whoever is calling the plays, and I believe it is Heupel. It's not Joey Halsley in his first season. I mean, come on. We we had that discussion with somebody over the weekend. Um, He he is not calling the same aggressive plays because of what he has seen. So the same, but again, that goes to the core of you're not hitting a high enough clip of those downfield passes because you can't because people are rolling back and then you're not hitting the underneath passes in order to in, in order to make them pay. So let's get to uh, the blame pie right now as we, we haven't had uh, this out there before. But if you want to go ahead and get to the blame pie and run down the percentages of balls that are most responsible for a Tennessee loss at Florida, let me hear it right now. 
All right, so I'm going to go 5% receivers. I'm not going to go too much receivers. I think a lot of the plays they did make were a little more on Milton, I'm going to be honest, and them. Um, but there were a couple of drops that they shouldn't have had. Dante Thornton play and the Brew McCoy drop. So that those two, I think, is enough to say 5% for the receivers. Right after that, I'm going to go 10% for Elijah Herring. I want to be fair to Elijah Herring. He wasn't ready for that middle linebacker spot. Now, I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's he's not athletic enough or if he's just – if he wasn't ready. But a lot of those bad angles you saw Tennessee take on defense was because Elijah Herring was out of position. I got edge rushers at 20%. I get your point, Dave, about what the defense is designed for. But this Florida offense was made for Tyler Barron, James Pierce, and Roman Harrison combined for 12 sacks, 10 tackles for a loss, or 20 tackles for a loss, some insane stat line. They didn't show up. I mean, we have to be honest. Tyler Barron didn't show up at all in this game. Now, now, we got held on a play. Now, the other guys are on scholarship, too. You have to give Florida credit for outflanking Tennessee. There was some misdirection plays. They played Tennessee horizontally, which did not play against their strengths. But again, that's going to happen from game to game. So uh, no, they didn't. They didn't play great. They took bad angles and it caused missed tackles. Okay, so what else before we get to our torch bears? And that's going to be tough to find. Yeah, and then top two, Joe Milton at thirty percent, mainly because it's not just some of the inaccuracies. Joe Milton didn't have command of the offense. The two timeouts that he had to take on the on the first drive of the second half. I think a lot of the pre-snap penalties, Dave, you know this, if you know ball, a lot of those are more on the quarterback than the center of the offensive line. They just are. So Joe Milton gets a 30%. But the worst is the interior offensive line, and it was Cooper Mays being out. Interior offensive line was 30%. If either Cooper Mays or Hendon Hooker is in that game, Tennessee wins. Probably. Um, I would agree with that. Uh, portions of the program brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get in their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. That's HOOKED. I need you to go ahead and download that app and sign up. If you're a gambler already, you're going to love it. And that's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards to Zen Sports, bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on Zen Sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 or over. And in Tennessee, to bet. So let's get to our torchbearers and the report card against Florida. The torchbearers are tough to find uh, out of a group that did not play their best and got all kinds of out of sorts. So who are the torchbearers, the bright spots, uh, the guys that played their best in the loss to Florida? So I got Brew McCoy at number five. Would have been higher, but that third down drop. You got to knock him down a notch, but he still played. He got 94 yards receiving and a touchdown, so I give him a lot of props. Bryson Eason had a sack in the middle. And, uh, you know, when I first watched the game, I was blaming the whole defensive line. I went back. The defensive tackles actually did their job. It was the angles that the edge rushers were taking and the linebackers were taking. So I think the tackles were fine. Bryson Eason did what he was supposed to do. He was the best of the group. He was a little better than Amari. Number three, and his stats don't show it, but Jalen Wright. 63 yards on 16 carries, but he had no holes to go through. And he fought. I mean, how many yards did he get 
How many plays were there in the second half, Dave, where Jalen Wright maybe should have only gotten three, four, or five yards and he turned it into nine or ten yards because he was just fighting for extra yards? No, he's a very underrated running back nationally, not only in the SEC. Yep. And number two, Jackson Ross. This is probably the biggest positive of the game for Tennessee. Jackson Ross is settling in as a punter now, honestly. He had three really good punts, two inside the 20. And if Tennessee was going to come back and win that game, it would have been because they had a major kicking advantage, quite honestly. And number one, I and again, I'm eating crow over the second straight week, but it was Aaron Beasley. Now, Aaron Beasley did allow four catches the four times he was targeted, but he was also trying to cover for there were a lot of times Elijah Herring was out of position. So that's a little bit skewed. Aaron Beasley still actually had a tackle for a loss, eight total tackles, four of those were solo. Okay, report guard. Give me the report card. Then we're going to get to Spencer Riley and get his thoughts. All right, so in terms of the report card, I'm going quarterbacks C minus. I think Joe Milton did a lot of good things, did some negative things, though. And so I got C minus. I got B plus for running backs and B minus for receivers and B for tight end. Dave, do you think it's crazy that I give them all above average grades? I don't think running backs, receivers, or tight ends are at fault for this game at all. No. I mean, Dante Thornton needs to go up and make a play every once in a while like he did when that ball was underthrown by Joe Milton, but Joe Milton got it out slow. He read it slow and then under underthrew the ball. So, no. I, I mean, you would like to see a very good receiver go up and get that. Um, so, go right ahead. I want to remind you that the report card today is brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate. Uh, real estate experts with over four decades combined experience in East Tennessee. Support our sponsors. Go to AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Uh, best prices, best service in the biz. He's real. He's my realtor. He should be yours. It's that simple. All right, go ahead. All right, so the offensive line is a D. The only reason it's not enough is I thought the tackles played fine, but the interior was just so bad. It's got to be a D. Am I being too hard on that, Dave? Uh, no, no. And and I and I give on that side of the ball more credit to Florida for attacking attacking Tennessee horizontally and not feeling like well they didn't have to keep up with a high-scoring team. I thought Florida's offensive attack was masterful. No, I was talking about the offensive line. Tennessee's offensive line. Oh, Tennessee's offensive line. Is that unfair? You gave them a D? I gave them a D just because of the interior. I don't blame the tackles. Uh, No, I don't have a a problem with that. There was all kinds of communication issues. I I think a D is very fair. Okay. Um, Defensive tackle, C+. Not great, not bad. Edge rushers, D-plus. And I know you say they ran horizontally, but Tyler Barron is a, and Roman Harrison are fourth and fifth-year seniors. They should they should have a little more experience dealing with that, honestly. Yeah, no problem with that. And linebacker, C-minus. I mean, Elijah Herring is enough, but I got to be fair. To, I'm not trying to knock on him too much. Like Ollie Lane, they both are not supposed to be starting right now where they're starting. But Aaron Beasley was an A, so that's where I, I get him a C-minus. Defensive backs, this is crazy. I give defensive backs a B-minus. And I know everybody's mad at Kamal Haddon because he got trucked on that. He didn't even try to make a tackle on that one play. But honestly, he was targeted like five times and only gave up one catch. I don't think the defensive backs deserve any blame for this game, for what happened. Uh, no, they weren't attacked. I mean, it was all a yeah. horizontal approach. I mean, I don't know if if, if they would have made plays. I, you know, Graham Mertz had probably what the game of his life or the game of his college career but well he is that he has been that efficient on the short passes all year yeah so i mean it was but i mean the game of his life he beat tennessee beat a ranked team 
and he beat an SEC East rival, and he was very efficient. I thought what he did and tennis, and if you notice, every single time Graham Mertz had the option to easily escape the pocket. So there was not going to be a set pocket where you could run those twists and stunts and blitz schemes to attack him. And I think there are times that that got Tennessee out of position, which is why you saw uh, missed tackles, which is why you saw guys leaning to the right when the play was to their left. I, mean, I don't know how many times I saw that. That's eye discipline. I hate to use that because that was a Butch Jones term, but it is true. Their eye discipline was poor. Uh, Tennessee did not play well. I think it's the first time somebody's attacked them like that. I'm not making excuses, but I thought Florida had a great offensive approach. You and I debated were, a little bit sorry. that that you and I debated just a little bit that maybe they were too conservative in the second half. I, I think they were perfect. I, I think they wanted to play keep away, and it ended up working out for them, and the game was never really in doubt in the fourth quarter. Thanks in part. We also, to, to be fair to the defense, they were a little tired in the first half too because Tennessee couldn't stay on the field on offense. I mean, that, that's got it. That's a part of it, Dave, isn't it? I mean, that's a big reason Heupel did that long drive to open the third quarter was because, quite honestly, Tennessee's defense by the – I mean, it, again, it was just an onslaught that happened really fast. You know how those games go. It just happened just real, real quick, and I think it was Tennessee's defense was just way too tired because they couldn't run the ball in the first half. And Heupel, his whole offense goes out the window if he can't run the ball. And – that, that part's true. Now, and, as far as and get an and, and get a a lead, a significant lead that allows the defense to attack what is usually a stagnant pocket. All right, what else? What what other grades do we have before we get to Spencer Riley? Just two more. Uh, no return game grade because there were no returns, but kicking game A plus. I mean, A plus for kicking. Yep. All right, coming up, it will be the one, the only Spencer Riley, VFL center. He is awesome. And he'll give us his thoughts on the interior of that offensive line and more as Tennessee loses to Florida. We're going to explain why and why this is not the end of the world for Tennessee. Two minutes, Spencer Riley off the hook sports. Our family has been creating one of a kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. 
A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. All right, welcome back to the program. We'll visit with Spencer Riley here shortly. A couple of comments from the message board. Did we even blitz? No, I thought that Tennessee at times was caught off off guard by the horizontal passing game, and they were very unsure what you just can't do when you blitz and you stunt. And, you, and by the way, a stunt is when somebody loops around the back end and, and goes in through uh, the interior, and then you have that defensive lineman go to the outside. For those that don't know, I want to be fair. And then, um, so did we even blitz? I think there were a lot of times they were prepared to blitz, and then suddenly the ball is being thrown in the flats, and that's what Tennessee did. Um, and uh, Tobias says, Hype doesn't uh, trust him, talking about Joe Milton, I assume, to uh, throw the ball downfield. And Smoky Mountain Red says, I also think the team thought they were better than they actually were after last season. But here's the thing. I thought the team was extremely confident Tennessee's football team headed into the 2022 season. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I ever said this publicly, I thought they were too confident. And as a matter of fact, they were just right because they won 10 games in the regular season and they beat Alabama and Florida. So I didn't question any of their confidence heading into the season. Confidence is never a bad thing. This guy should be confident because I'm looking at his schedule and he's got the great Hamblin County Tour and so he goes from Hamblin East. I guess it's Hamblin's a county. And he goes Hamblin East. He hits them up 42 to 7. And he's got Hamblin West. And I'm not going to put him in a position to talk trash. But uh, you watch out Hamblin West. They're coming <laughs> to you. Spencer Riley yeah. <laughs> joins us now. VFL hmm. Center. Congratulations on the win, Spencer. How are you? Hey, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a good win for us Friday night. And you know, our team's uh, trying to get a little healthy. We're open this week, so it's nice to get, be able to catch your breath right in the middle of the season and get ready for the the long run of the, the end half of the season uh, with the playoffs and the rest of the second half of the season. Uh, we got a couple more non-region games left with uh, Marshtown West and then Fairgate, which is a Thursday night, rivalry Thursday game. And then, um, then we have uh, – um, Cock County to follow there. So and then two more region games there in the mix there and there at the end. So uh we gotta handle our business as we move forward and just keep keep grinding and keep battling, you know, I mean try to keep everybody healthy for sure. Yep. As the head coach of Jeff County's doing an incredible job. All right. I like to go in broad scope. Uh you, you'll learn this about me with guys that know more football than me, and you do. I don't and, know about that. No, you do. You do. There's a lot of people that say I don't understand football. <laughs> well, me, me too. Um, but they're they're wrong about you. So, just big picture, broad scope. What did you see on Saturday? Why were the balls um, seemingly fighting and clawing and scrapping just to stay in the game from the get? 
Well, I mean, well, I'll tell you, there's two things that always happen in, in the game of football. You got to block and you got to tackle. We didn't do neither one of those very well. You know what I mean? Um, those, <laughs> you got to do those two things to have a chance. And uh, I don't think we did a very good job of that in the first half, which put you behind the eight ball. Uh, we didn't make some plays down the field. Um, and, you know what I mean? We had some costly penalties at times. Felt like the, we were penalized every time we had a, a, a good chunk play, uh, explosive play. Um, you know what I mean? I thought some uh, very – I didn't think the game was officiated very well on either side of the ball. Uh, I mean, I thought there was a bunch of PI stuff that went on on both sides of the ball that wasn't called. Uh, but you know what? You're going you're gonna to let them play. At least they didn't call it on either side. You know what I mean? So – um, but I didn't think it was officiated very good at the end of the day, uh, on that side. And I didn't think we blocked at all really well, uh, in the first half. And I know we didn't tackle at all very well. And that, and I mean, and I know those guys, they teach and they preach that. And we just didn't, we didn't execute as players. And as you do with 18 to 23 year olds, uh, sometimes that happens, man. You don't know where their mindset and as a coach, it gets frustrating and, uh, but you know what I mean? You, it's early in the year. You, you live to fight another day. There's a lot of things that happen in the SEC, a lot of things that happen in college football. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I've just seen where they drop from 11 to 23. I think that's pretty harsh at the end of the day because some other teams, I can promise you, there's, there's not that many more teams that's better than Tennessee. They're, they're a top 15 team in the country. Yeah. They, they didn't perform well, uh, on Saturday. So, you know what I mean? The tip you had to Florida, you you, you, you lick your wounds, you, you go back and you learn and you get better at better better as a, as a as a program. Hey man, I don't know what I don't know why everybody's complaining. We, we did in my four years, we never went to uh, Florida and beat them in the swamp either. And we were really talented and had probably had better football players at the time. So. Yeah, uh, Spencer. Uh- <laughs> I do understand that. I would venture to say, though, I think the thing that's frustrating to a lot of Tennessee fans is that not better football players than you, but just relative to where they are now, Florida had better football players then than they do right now <laughs> during that time, well, too. Well, let's just, yeah, I get what you're saying, right? But Florida's better than they were a year ago. I mean, let's be honest with you. Transfer portal can make anybody better quicker than anybody. Deion Sanders can preview that. You know what I mean? The, the, the realm of college football and how they recruit anymore has changed. I mean, guys, you can go from being a bad football team to a great football team just because of the transfer portal and not recruit any high school kid coming out of high school. And I see it on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Uh, I've got kids that are college football players that were having a hard time getting recruited because of the transfer portal. And their recruiting won't start until December where a lot of other kids start, the Power 5 kids. And that's a lot of people don't understand. The misnomer is Power 5 kids is – Group of five, power five, and then everybody else, right? All those guys recruit the same. They're looking for the best transfer they can get. So, you know what I mean? And and, and Florida's better. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, one of my buddies was on the defensive staff last year at Florida. And, uh, you know what I mean? He, he left and, and, and is now in the NFL. They got great coaches. That's what they get paid to do. It's great recruiters. Uh they do a great job down there, and I'm not taking up for Florida, but I'm just telling you right now, you can be bad one year and be great the next or be better the next, a lot better the next, and they were a lot better, especially in the defensive line. 
in the offensive line. So uh, wanted to. So speaking of that, I want to talk a little bit about Milton. I know there's a lot of criticisms of him. I, I do sure. want to know where your thoughts are. I didn't think he was as inaccurate as people said he was during the game, but I know there were a couple of throws he missed. And then I think more that what stood out to me was maybe a lack of command of the offense with the crowd because there were two timeouts that had to be burned on the opening drive of the second half. And sure. is is that a concern for you going forward? Or do you think it was just – it's one of those games where it's the swamp, 7 o'clock, they're winning, so. Well, I mean, uh, and I'll say this. You know, there's a lot of things that have to go into making sure a play gets in on time, personnel, things like that. They may not have the right personnel in the game. I couldn't tell you. Um, I wasn't there. Uh, but, you know, some dude, we, we burned two timeouts Friday night because we didn't have the right personnel in the field, right, or you lined up wrong. Uh, because somebody didn't get the correct signal. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we try to go as fast as we can, just like they do. And sometimes they just don't get lined up right. And you got to, and you're in a critical part, a critical part of the ball game right there, and coming out in the second half, hey, you really need to score right there to start the second half. So you want to you wanna use those timeouts instead of, hey, we'll just live with it and go to the next play. Uh, sometimes as coaches, you just, you just deal with that and you just, Call the play, deal with it, and you get it corrected the next snap. But you're, I want to say it was a second down and a third down right there. Uh, maybe even first down. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, but I think there were two big uh, play opportunities there for us that we needed to get in the right, the right, get everything lined up, ready to go, try to execute. So uh, I don't think it's Joe Milton's fault. I don't think it's only Joe Milton's fault, but he is the quarterback. He is the voice. He's got to get everybody lined up and going in the right direction. Spencer, when you heard about that players meeting that we broke it off the hook sports last Sunday, was that a red flag to you or was that a good thing? Or was it like a, let me see what happens. I'll be honest with you. Player only meetings are only as good as, um, that as you want them to be, you know what I mean? Uh, and it depends on, I mean, you, I don't know these kids that well. A player only meeting to me was like, "Look, man, why are we meeting? We know what we did wrong. We got to we got to go correct it. We're going to hold each other accountable. Let's move forward, and let's get get to handle our business as, as we know how to, as young men and young athletes." Yep, and I, I here's one of the things about Joe Milton that. I think people need to remember, and I've been told that they would never, ever make the change to Nico, and I'm not implying that they should either, Spencer, but they would never make that change because they think so much of him, not just from an athletic standpoint, but also from a leadership standpoint. And that's that's something. As as a coach, I mean, if if you got two guys you think are completely equal, equal and one guy's a great leader and the other guy's not, who you want to go with as a head coach? I'm definitely going with the leader. You know what I mean? The character, the character and the leadership part of the piece to me is better, is, is the most important thing that I can ask for. Uh, I've dealt with that in the past and, 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 and had to make those decisions. I definitely agree that the leadership and the character piece is the most important part because you can manage the game with a, with a, uh, a lesser athlete at quarterback. You know what I mean? Joe Milton's not a lesser athlete by no means. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that on him, but you know what I mean? In, in my, in, in our case, you know, you can, you can deal with that. And 
I think Joe Milton has done. He's he's not executed at his his finest, but we all knew he's not. A, he he is a gunslinger. He's going to throw it down the field, and we're going to go get it. The intermediate and the short part necessarily is not his, his best part of his game. That's something that he can develop and continue to develop over the years as he as he continues to play this great game we get to play uh, and get to coach. Um, I don't know. Look, man, I've watched Nico a little bit, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing like playing in front of 100,000 people and not knowing what you're doing. You're a million miles, and the, foot, and the speed of the game is so much faster from high school to college. It's not even funny because – Let's just be honest. In the SEC, it's like playing professional. It's like playing a semi-professional league, anyways, because most of these cats are going to be NFL and play, anyways. So I don't know about Nico. You know I me. Mean? I think he's going to be a good player at Tennessee. I don't know if he's ready to do this day in and day out. And maybe he will. One, maybe he will be. And hopefully, when he gets his opportunity, he seizes the moment and he runs with it. But I think Joe Milton's the guy, and I think he should be the guy. From here, move forward. Spencer's appearance brought to you in part by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Han. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK cataract surgery and regular eye examinations. Go to cctis.com. Look at me. I have LASIK and I can see just fantastic. And look at the love that Spencer's getting on the message board. Uh, oh my gosh, you're one of my lights are out again. Oh, that's all right. You got to move around and get those motion lights on. Uh, Spencer Riley, oh my gosh, you're one of my favorite, uh, my all-time faves, and uh, our OG. Now, he doesn't mean offensive guard. He means a yeah. gangster. Yeah. That's what the kids tell me. I try to stay hip. Best, no doubt. Best center ever. That's you, Spencer. I don't know about that. There have been some really good ones that played before me, so I was just blessed to be able to carry the torch. Yeah, uh, you Pretty pretty darn good. I think you're selling yourself a little bit uh, short. All right, so uh, let me let me ask you this, Spencer. Um, the interior of the offensive line did not have the push. Did we get fooled a little bit because they did have a push with Ollie Lane at center, Andre Couric at left guard because of Cooper May's injury at center? Did we get spoiled a little bit thinking that they can push Virginia around and Austin P around and they're going to be able to push everybody around? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's different now. You're not playing those guys on, on that you played Saturday. You're going to have a chance to be in the NFL, guys. I don't know if those other guys that, that, that we've played from Virginia and Austin P will have an opportunity to be NFL defensive tackles. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know that part of it. But, you know what I mean? I, I thought we – I didn't think we've communicated very well. If you're, not be, if you're not being able to communicate very well up front, you struggle. It makes you look like you're not very good, um, and I think that's big. I think that's a big key for Tennessee is they got to be able to communicate in a fast, chaotic environment, and uh, I don't think we did that very well. Spencer, is that a long-term issue, or do you think that's something that'll get better when, say, Cooper Mays comes back because he's just more experienced at playing center? Well, I mean, I, I mean, let's be honest. You got to be fairly smart to play center in, in their offense, and you got to get people in the right direction. You got to make your calls, and you got to move fast. You got to know what all five guys do. If you don't, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, make those adjustments on the run and on the fly. You know, a guy has a little bit more uh, playing experience at center. He he gets used to that. He's he's he just does that on a 
it's just natural to him, right? If you've never truly been a center, and I've been through those experiences, guys, uh, and I know how I know how how they how they feel as a center as you try to figure it out at, at on the run. And I mean, I don't know how much. Let's just be honest with you. Let's. I don't know how much difference Cooper Mays is going to make if he would have made much difference in the Florida game. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know. Uh, that's something we won't have any answers to. You know what I mean? And if he's not healthy, don't play him. I mean, if you got Amen. guys that are healthy, if you got guys that are healthy, play them. I mean, they've got enough guys. They got enough talent in the offensive line to play guys that are to, to that are not hurt. And you know what I mean. Um, but again, at the end of the day, uh, if you're hurt, there's a difference between hurt and injured. You know what yes. I mean? Uh, but if you just got nagging stuff, go play. It's, it's what college football is about, man. I mean. You're beat up and you're sore and you're tired and, and that's it. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I know a lot of guys that's played with broken bones and tore or tore tendons and, and, and muscles and stuff like that. And you just dealt with it and you went on about your business. Uh, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't go out and worry about things. You just did what you had to do to make it, make it work day in and day out. Yeah, I can, I can tell you this and I haven't shared the injury out of, out of respect for who told me this. Um, but you know, it's, it's it is, it is something that could get re-injured and and could be potentially season-ending. So, sure. and 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 I I got frustrated by some people. I got really frustrated actually because you guys as football players are a heck of a lot tougher as as a rule of thumb than us that sit here and talk about it. And I believe in my heart of hearts that Cooper Mays, had he felt able to play, would have played, no question. In some ways, he reminds me of, of you, Spencer. You guys are both tough. And the other thing I'll say is that I don't think Josh Heupel helped him because I don't think they really thought he was going to play last week when Josh Heupel says expects to play on a Thursday and they dress him. I felt like that was a bit of a charade that by accident on Heupel's part, put Cooper in a bad light. That, to me, was frustrating. Well, I mean, with the way the NCAA and the SEC, you know, the, with the way the leagues are trying to make everybody give a mandatory injury report, you know what I mean, uh, like the NFL, uh, you're going to tell them everybody's going to play. Or I mean, not. Or you, could, or you can do the Bill Belichick and say, yeah, they're uh, all, Tom, Brady's, Tom Brady's doubtful for 12 yeah, years. They're out. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So well, it's not like you have an IR, you know, it's not like you're putting them on injury reserve. They can play at any point. <laughs> you know what I mean? So play the game. If you're going to play the game, play the game, right, with that. And and to me, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it from a head coach standpoint. You're like, man, I try not to, to give my, my 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 injury bugs out. and So so I don't want people knowing that. I don't give them a don't want to have any slight advantage. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what coaches do. You know, you try to find, all right, hey, is this cat playing? Is this cat not playing? And uh, So I get it. I get where I didn't put Cooper in a very good light. But you know what? At the end of the day, uh, they're college athletes. You know what I mean? And it's different from when I, when I played because we didn't. We weren't NIL guys. You know what I mean? Sure. And let's be honest. You know what I mean? It, they, are, uh, they are getting paid. For their name, image, and likeness, right? Call it how it is. But they're getting played to play football 
they wouldn't be having name, image, and likeness if we weren't playing football. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a pretty good looking dude, Spencer, and I don't so get name. Me neither. We're both handsome SOBs. Yeah, and no doubt. Saying here's a bunch of cash. All three of us are. There's no question, right? <laughs> All three of us. But I'm not getting paid because of my name, image, and likeness. Uh, and some of those guys aren't getting paid because of their name, image, or likeness either. You know, they're really good football players. So, and that's why companies want to do that. And they want to be associated with that, which means, hey, you're getting paid to play football. So play and you end up making more money. Make plays, you make more money. If you don't make plays, you don't make more money. I mean, that's the way college football is today. And and I, I get it. I don't care if they get paid or paid or not. I thought we all should got paid. I mean, I mean, you, you just think about me in, in, in a season, just me, each individual. I think roughly we figured out one time. Uh, the 20, everybody was on the team. I think we got already made the university like $1.5 million in a season. Like, we don't see a penny of that other than our scholarship, which was fine. But still, you look at these kids today. Come on now. Some of them are making six figures. Yeah. There's more pressure. You know I mean? There's more pressure. Yeah. So you have to. You have to take that with it. Not, not the only are there more pressure on the kids, there's more pressure on the coaches. Yeah. Now, don't, tell me that, don't tell me there's not – if if Joe Milton doesn't play well, don't tell me there's not more pressure for a corporate sponsor to maybe pick up the phone and say it would be nice uh, because I spent millions of dollars on Nico if he could get in the game. Don't tell me that conversation is not going to happen. Well, yeah. Well, it's going to happen because <laughs> it's a business decision. Let's just call it how it is. You know what I mean? But for the coaches, you know what I mean? It's 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 about, hey, what's the best for our team at this point? Uh, and that's the struggle with NIL and all that stuff is how do you manage your team and all and, and all that stuff? Um, and I'm and I struggle with that and I see it through my kid, you know what I mean, who is an NIL kid playing softball at Ole Miss. So I get it. You know what I mean? I see it on a daily basis and how everybody reacts and hey, you Hey, he makes more money than me. And I should be playing. Yep. You know what Robert, I mean? It doesn't matter about the money. Robert says Spencer could lose one arm and still uh, kick ass. I'm not sure if this is legal or not, but as a way of supporting Jeff County, which is my new uh, favorite uh, high school football team, because my team co- is coached by a guy that I don't like. But we don't have to. We don't have to talk about Pal High School. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I like you. That was kind of high, hot heat, wasn't it, Spencer? Wow. Let's go yeah. right at the chin. Yeah, he used to play poker at my house, then lied to me about something. That's okay. But, um, Spencer, let me um, – um, can we put uh, an off-the-hook patch on your jersey? Can I pay NIL money to do that, like on the left arm or something? I like, have no idea, buddy. I'm not into that, so whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'll call an administrator. I'll call an AD. Yeah. We'll call my AD and say, hey, I got somebody who wants to do this. Can we do this? Uh, <laughs> so go for, you'll find out. Spencer, you're you're the best. You make our show better and the product every Monday. So I can't uh, thank you enough for the insight that you bring. Man, I appreciate it. I wish I could be a little bit more insightful to the day-to-day operations of how Tennessee runs things, but I ain't got that time to go down there and check it out that much. So I just kind of get to watch on, on Saturdays and, have a good time. Yeah, that was good. It was good insight. I don't know that anybody gets gets inside buildings anymore, even former players like they used to, which is yeah, uh, for sure. 
Um, great stuff, Spencer. Congratulations on the win. Enjoy the off week, and then uh, let's go win the title. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Thank you all so much. We'll see you next week. Man, that's Have a good awesome. one, Spencer. Riley, love visiting with him. He probably could do pretty well without one arm. I mean, he'd at least yeah. do okay. He might have to move back to guard. I'll say this. <laughs> <laughs> Which position, if you played it on the offensive line, could you most get away with having one arm? I would say tackle because you, if you had your outside arm at left tackle, you're left, or right, you're right, that you could funnel people inside. Right tackle. It's a, it's, a, it's a completely stupid conversation. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Smoky Mountain Red. No doubt. I never doubted Cooper holding out unless he was really hurt. Guys, should have never dressed. Josh Heupel shouldn't have said on Thursday that he was expected to play. Shouldn't have happened. Should not have happened. Also, we got a Vol who gets in trouble the week before the Florida game. I thought we were beyond that, but that's not the case. We'll discuss that in exactly 90 seconds and some other very odd personnel choices by the Vols. Yes, I'm talking about Dylan Sampson and uh, Nico as well. So in 90 seconds, uh, a Vol... It's in trouble before the Florida game. How do you do that? 90 seconds. Stay tuned. Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. You're listening to the Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. All right, here we go. Welcome back. Man, it seems like Florida used to always get in trouble or have somebody do something goofy before the Tennessee game or in the offseason, and they would suspend them for the first two games against practically nobody. But that wasn't the case this time around. And we get to What the H, and it's brought to you by Sports Treasures. What the H, Joe Mincy? Say wham. Oh, that's not the right one. 
Let's try that again. We get to what the H, and it's brought to you by our friends at Sports Treasures. What the H, Gerald Mincy? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, what did Gerald Mincy do last week? I know, but I'm going to go ahead and kick it to you to to break it down. It's brought to you by our friends at Sports Treasures, What the H, carrying over $5 million in Sports Treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia, daily updates. Uh, you can go to their Facebook page at sportstreasurestn.com. And also, they sold one of my books over the weekend, which is fantastic. And if you would like a personalized uh, copy autographed to you. David Leverton got one, and he wanted it to say to the punter who saved Tennessee's national championship because of the Peter Warwick tackle. You can click right down there, and I'll personalize it if you would like. Hard and soft covers available, also available to Alumni Hall and Hound Dogs. Celebrate 98, the untold stories behind Tennessee's 1998 national championship. <sighs> Gerald Mincy, what do he do? Gerald Mincy was cited for simple possession, which basically we don't know for sure, but my, I mean, you know, it's a pretty obvious guess that it was probably weed leading into the game last week. And whether or not you think it should be illegal or legal, it's illegal in the state of Tennessee. And he was cited. I don't believe he played. Yeah, he, he did not play on Saturday. And Hypel tried to Hypel being the ever classy guy tried to just say we made the decision to not play him. He didn't really want to dime him out, but it's public record. I mean, you know this, Dave. You worked at the newspaper. It's even if coaches don't want to report it, it's pretty much out there when players get arrested. So this to me is kind of a big deal because we are. I, we've talked a while. Gerald Mincy is having a hard time, you know, taking that next step to be a full time starter and reaching his potential. That's why. Whatever you think about marijuana, and I normally don't care if someone wants to smoke it, but if if you are having trouble taking it to the next step as a on-scholarship college football player, and I find out you're smoking weed in the middle of the season, yeah, I care. That's a big deal. I don't have a problem with marijuana as a whole. I would much rather these guys uh, smoke pot at night than take painkillers because I covered a young man named Aaron Douglas who passed away from an addiction to painkillers that were caused by a football injury. So I see this a little bit different. I was very close to that family. So maybe, Caleb, I see it a little bit differently than you. I also am kind of of the mindset of haven't we as a society said um, this this is okay. However, that being said, Caleb, you're right. It's illegal. You shouldn't be out breaking the law. Um, you know, Speeding is one thing, but massive speeding like we've seen at Athens is another. So you shouldn't be out breaking the law, uh, especially before the Florida game, knowing that that could put your playing time in jeopardy. So while I have zero problem with uh, marijuana, I mean, ideally we'd all be perfectly clean, right? Um, because we would be so well-centered as human beings that we wouldn't need anything to affect our brains and make them, make them feel better, right? It would be a utopian society. It would be like Krypton. Um, except for General Zod and his pals. Okay, so 
but that's not where we are. People choose to do things. I would much rather him be charged with possession than hit back in the day, him having, you know, a, a case of beer in him and getting a DUI. Those are the ones that I covered um, to a large extent or fights. And, and I think this too, I think a fight is worse than even marijuana because these guys don't realize how big and strong they are sometimes because you grow in your body. And you could really, really hurt somebody if you're talking about an average student. So I do not have a problem with marijuana, but I can say this. Are you not smart enough? We're talking about a player who hasn't reached his development. Are you not smart enough to keep it at home? I mean, get a six-foot-tall bong if you want to and smoke it up. But you've got it in your car. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And especially when they're legal alternatives, too. Um, I, I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me why you would get in, in trouble for that in this day and age. It almost seems like you have to go out of your way to get in trouble for marijuana. Okay. But he, uh, here's why I have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with marijuana either. I'm for being, a, I'm for being legalized recreationally. I'm, and I'm with you. If you are in pain, I'd much rather athletes take marijuana than painkillers. And look, I, I'll say this even further. By having weed illegal in the NFL still and pushing for painkillers, the NFL has blood on its hands beyond CTE. How many people do we think that they have, the NFL has just outright ruined their lives by insisting them to get on painkillers when they were hurt? So I will tell you this. If you want to compare, okay, you want to compare the two? CTE is minuscule, minuscule to the amount of players that have gotten addicted to painkillers. And I believe that not even close. And I firmly believe the NFL was encouraging these painkillers and at the same time taking, shall we say, advertising revenue from them. And they were getting paid. I'm just going to say it. I think NFL officials are getting paid to get players hooked on painkillers. I want to say that up front. Now, as far as Gerald Mincy, though, here's my issue, though. Dave, do you think the marijuana was for pain or do you think it was recreational? I think, gun to my head, I think it was recreational. Well, it doesn't matter, and I'm going to give Rocky Top Tom credit, who I think is probably a little bit more conservative than both of us, but he's right. It's illegal. It's illegal. Caleb, if I said in order to, I mean, this wouldn't be a, a legality, but I said in order to work for me, you have to have a mohawk. Okay? That's the rules of the business. And you follow the rules of the business. And the rules of Tennessee football businesses don't break the law. So I don't care if it's safer than heroin or alcohol or whatever. Don't do it. And if you're going to do it, don't be stupid and do it in a car. And it's a reflection. This is where I'm trying to get at. Because here's a, let me work this in real quick. Because here's the thing. Nobody said, let me check your car to see if you have any marijuana unless it smells like pot. Exactly. Exactly. So here is my issue with it. It shows Joe Mincy's lack of commitment. Can Thank we you. say that? It's uh, his no, lack you, of commitment. You can and will. And I was going to go there and you beat me to the punch. Kudos. Yeah, I think. And this is where I think if he's doing it, again, if he's doing it because he's in pain, I'm, I would have actually given a break. But you're right. Do it in the house. Even if it's illegal, I, I, I'm a little more sympathetic because you don't want to get hooked on painkillers because, again, there was blood on the NCAA and NFL's hands. They have, they've, they've indirectly killed athletes in the past by getting them hooked on painkillers. And so, but I don't believe Gerald Mincy was doing this 
to manage pain. And you're right, he was doing it. He had it in his car. And so you're right, the only way... I think it was recreational too, but we don't know that. In all fairness. But we do know at the very least, like you said, he had to be smoking it in his car. Because they're not going to search your car for weed unless your car smells like weed. Right? No. Like, has has anybody ever been pulled over by a cop and be like... For no reason whatsoever, I think you might have some weed in here. No yeah, one's I ever. Think there, I think there's a Jay Z song where he goes, I, "I I got my glove compartment locked, and the trunk is too, and you're going to need a warrant for that." To some extent, no, nobody says I'm going because you can't do that. I'm going to randomly search your car, and, and, and I had a smell like weed. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Now, a couple of other notable absences. It's just like a give a darn, as was said on our message board, which is is frustrating. And here's the other thing. You don't even drive that far. If you're taking some sort of long trip and you're like, oh, my back hurts and I want to get stoned as a bat halfway because I'm driving to the Keys. Okay, kind of see that maybe. But how far do you drive as a football player to and from your apartment around campus? It's not like you're spending hours at a time in a car where you're getting weed withdrawals, if that's such a thing. Portions of the program brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler. Support our sponsors looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, a Tennessee tradition? Go to rickterryjewelry.com, rickterryjewelry.com. Somebody goes to rickterryjewelry.com and purchases uh, some fire opals for their loved one, then I'm going to hook you up with a uh, hooker T-shirt. How about that? So there were uh, some other notable absences in the game. Uh, Dylan Sampson and Danico Slaughter. Yes. And Sampson just... Based off... let Let me just say this real quick. I don't know that anything happened off the field. While they did, why they didn't play, um, but I'll say this, or while their play was at least limited, based off what Josh Heupel has said publicly about Cooper Mays, I don't have trouble believing it. Is that a fair way of saying it? That there's something going on. About there's the some mindset. could be something nefarious. Um, so Danico Slaughter, Hypel said just at the very end, he wasn't available. That's all Hypel said. Dylan Sampson posted an IG story of, I think it's a leopard today. I don't know what that means. It was a leopard in black and white. No idea what that means on his Instagram story. But yes, it could theoretically be something nefarious. Hypel's never open with it. And and, and, and so, is there an issue, Dave, when you consider this in the Jeremy Banks situation last year, is there, is Heupel, does he have full control of the team? I think he does. I, I think that this team came in pretty confident. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that was something that happened last year that I kind of wondered to myself, are they too confident? Now, um, yeah. And I should correct myself, by the way. I just looked it up. Mincy was in on special teams in the game on Saturday. He just yes. didn't play an offensive snap. Mincy played special teams. And if, if you can, um, um, yeah, let's go ahead and, and, and make sure that Danico Slaughter and – so Danico Slaughter did not play at all. 
Yeah, right. Heupel said he just straight up said he wasn't available. Okay, but he's on the player participation report. So, um, and then you had uh, Dylan Sampson. Uh, didn't log any stats whatsoever, so I don't remember a play he was on. And I don't see him on the player participation report. So, anyway, I don't want to throw those guys under the bus at all because they may have an injury. It's something may be up, but the Gerald Mincy thing to me is absolutely insane. Um, that you would get in trouble for something that silly in the season. This isn't this isn't February, and I, I think that's kind of the big deal. Yeah, Papa Jay said he did play on field goal kicks, and he was on the participation report. But uh, Papa Jay says so that begs the question: Why didn't Mincy play on offense? Bottom line is, when you fib, and listen, coaches fib. I'm not ripping. Josh Hyper for fibbing about on Thursday when he said he expected Cooper Mays to play. But when you fib and do this, people are going to wonder. That's that's the underlying point. We don't know that Slaughter or Samson did anything wrong. Okay. I want to be real clear on that. Okay. But when you fib, you make people wonder. So, I mean, was Florida actually going to play Tennessee any differently? If Josh Heupel came out and said, I don't think Coop's going to be ready. If he said that on Thursday, I mean, to have him go out and dress up was a sham. And this is, and I just want to say real clear that the players only meeting that I reported last week and some other things that I've reported like that just then did not come from Jacob Warner, Cooper Mays, who we work with. I specifically avoid such topics to not put them in any sort of bad light. And it would not behoove me as a person who runs off the hook sports to put myself in that bad light as well. So I want to be very clear. Um, what I'm sharing with you is not from those two guys. But Tennessee knew in-house that Cooper Mays all week wasn't going to play. And the players meeting, both of those factors, they happened. They were from my reporting. I've done this for a while. Neither of those facts came from Jacob Warner, Cooper Mace. I just want to be real clear. I said that on a Nashville radio station on Thursday. So there we are. I want to address that. And Caleb, you've known me long enough to trust me. So uh, I think everyone else has. And I hope my career speaks to that. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally believe you. And this is more of a reflection um, on what Heupel's been doing. I'll just... He hasn't been. And it's also not my case. responsibility to, to tell anybody where a report comes from or who my source is, but I want to do that because I think so highly of those two guys. So that's kind of where we are. All right. We've got SEC power rankings and week three recaps. So here we go. It is time for four downs. Four downs is right now, and it's brought to you by Herald Group security solutions here we go four downs four downs four questions four answers the dave hooker show four four, four? downs a presentation of off the hook sports.com all right so we're going to get to some SEC power rankings. Where do the Vols fit as they drop all the way to 23 in the Associated Press ranking? 
They were a little higher on the coaches ranking, but basically the coaches ranking means nothing because sports information directors uh, do those sorts of things. I wonder who did it this week now that Tom Satkoviak has uh, left the head sports information director. Oof. There's some issues in, in, in that department. So uh, here we go. It is time for uh, four downs, and the balls may not have Cooper back just yet. Rocky Tops Tom saying that uh, Tennessee shouldn't be in the top 50. I'm not going to go that far, but uh, four downs brought to you by our friends at Harold Group Security Solutions. What should people do, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. All right, here we go. First down for the SEC Power Rankings, Caleb. Coop here, first down. Who made the biggest move up in your power rankings, which is on offthehooksports.com? Uh, there were two. Missouri made a giant move. They got up to number eight, and that was with their big win over Kansas State. They won off a 61-yard field goal. That's a good win, but they're still number eight because I think that win was somewhat of a fluke. I need to see more after they struggle with MTSU. The other one, LSU. I moved them all the way back up to number two. I mean, they blew out Mississippi State on the road. A Mississippi State team riding high on power five win that had not yet lost under Zach Arnett, and LSU just took him to task. I think the LSU team is the turning into the LSU team we thought we'd see. Okay, well, let me ask you this. So what position are, are they in right now on your LSU's, range? LSU's number two to me, and Missouri's number eight. Okay, I, I know that we both think more of LSU than a lot of people, a lot of people on our message board, real honestly, and a lot of our fans. But let me ask you this for a second now. Cooper Mays here, second down. Of those two, who are mo- who is most likely to hold their spot when we do our final SEC rankings at the end of the year? Because LSU. LSU's higher, but Missouri's Missouri. <laughs> LSU's more likely to hold their spot. Again, the Missouri game against Kansas State was a fluke. By the way, worst coaching before- thing of the weekend, Eli Drinkwitz is the new Les Miles. I don't know if you guys saw. But Kansas State, LSU won off a 61-yard field goal. It was a 56-yard field goal, and Eli Drinkwitz took too long to get a special teams unit lined up, so it was a delay of game penalty, and then he kicked a 61-yard field goal. But that's like, Dave, that not that less miles if there ever was less miles? Remember how often less miles mismanaged the clock but still got lucky enough to win the game? Like, that was Eli Drinkwitz. Yeah, I think it's LSU. I think LSU has a greater opportunity to be second or better in the SEC final power rankings, then Missouri has an opportunity to be in the top 10 of the final SEC power rankings. So I agree with you. Coop, what down now, sir? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. All right. Who fell the furthest? Well, people may not. A couple. Actually, there were three teams. Arkansas and Mississippi State both fell pretty far. Arkansas is down at number 13 now. Mississippi State's at number 12. I think this might be it for Sam Pittman after this year. But I think Arkansas fans, if you read the message boards, are thinking, is this the best we can do for Arkansas? Are we just never going to get another level? That's that's what they're worried about. Tennessee fell to number nine. I'm sorry, guys. Yes, they're in the bottom half of the SEC right now. And it's because of not just Florida, but two weeks now of what we've seen. They, you got to put them in, in the bottom half of the SEC right now. All right, so I want to go to power rankings, and I'm going to give you the one team that I think is the furthest from where they will finish. And what down is that, Coop? All SEC center Cooper Mays here, 
fourth down. Okay. Well, I think it's Tennessee at nine. And I'm not just playing to the crowd. I think they'll end up being considered a top three team by the end of the year. I think a lot of things were exposed against Florida that they will address. The schedule is not incredibly taxing. Uh, Alabama still looks like a possible win, even though it's a Tuscaloosa because they got quarterback issues. Georgia is playing down to their opponent, and that's at home. So at the end of the day, I think that uh, Tennessee is uh, the one that will move the most by the end of the year, and I think they'll be in the top three. So it's your list. Uh, let me ask you, who are, who's the team that will move the most? I actually agree with you about Tennessee, but I'm going to go Texas A&M in the other way. I think by the end of the year, Texas A&M is going to be at number 13, and I got them at number six right now. Okay, great stuff. Let me run down um, the, the entire SEC before we get to our uh, weekend recap and how that affects the balls. All right, so number 14 is Vanderbilt. No shock there. Uh, number 13 is Arkansas. Number 12 is Mississippi State. South Carolina holds firm at 11. Now, maybe my most unfair one is Kentucky at number 10. Kentucky is one of the five undefeated teams left, but I'm not giving them credit for blowing out Akron when they struggled with the Division II school the week before. Tennessee's number nine. Missouri's number eight. Florida's moved up to number seven. Texas A&M's number six. Now, here's the hot take one because we didn't mention it, but I've got Alabama at number five. And I know they're, I, I know they're two and one. I don't think they should be favored by as much over Ole Miss this week. Dave, I listened to Josh Pate last night, and he brought up a point, and I want to know your thoughts. Seems like the team was very upset that Jalen Mower was benched, and they just didn't want to go all off for Nick Saban on that. Guys, I'm telling you right now, listen to me say this. The same thing could happen with Tennessee. I'm not saying that you don't bench a guy because he's likable. Last I checked, NFL scouting reports don't have a likable entry. Um, but I am telling you, Joe Milton is an absolute team favorite, which is one of the reasons they are not going to make a change barring injury or suspension. Very similar. I think Jalen Milrow was a popular player, and I'm going to make some phone calls about that now that you tipped me off on that. I think that's a great point, and I think he paid his dues, and I think players care about that stuff, probably more than fans want them to. These are not moving parts. These are people. If they made any sort of change with Joe Milton, Caleb, I want your take on this, it would have a negative effect on team chemistry. I'm not saying they couldn't overcome it and win a national championship, but it would have a negative effect on team chemistry. Portions of the program brought to you by the Premier Hemp Dispensary Online. That's the Hemp House, a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. Hemp House Chat, HempHouseChat.com. That's right below. Use the promo code HOOK for 10% off. We were going to say 50% off. Every time Tennessee wins on the Big Orange Crunch. But uh, we can't do that this week. But we will uh, the following week. Hip House Chat, support our sponsors. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, fine products. And Caleb, if you're Josh Heupel, how much do you factor in the fact that if you did anything with Joe Milton, that there is going to be backlash in team chemistry? Because I can promise you from the people I talked to within that program, there would be. I'm not saying anybody revolt but it would be a factor it'd be a huge factor 
And we know this happened because we know 2005 when Rick Clawson, Philip Fulmer, people wonder when that team unraveled. That team unraveled before the season started because I think Philip Fulmer lost the team the minute he named Derek Ames the starter first. And you probably know more about that than I do. But I don't, I, even when, I know Rick Clawson came in later and did become the starter and was the full-time starter for a minute. But I think the team had already completely checked out on Phil Fulmer and I totally turned against him for yep. the fact that yep. he didn't even yep. start him. Yep, yep, yep. You're 110% right. They wanted Rick Clawson because they thought they had the players. Then we could debate whether or not Rick Clawson could have got the job done. <clears throat> but it doesn't matter. The players believed it. The same way the players love Joe Milton. So it doesn't matter if they're better or off with Nico. The players believe Rick Clawson was the guy. And somewhat of a similarity, but not really, because Nico's uber talented. Philip Fulmer looked at Eric Ainge and he, he saw the shiny sports car and he was essentially the race car driver. So finish out our rankings. All right. So we already mentioned LSU at two, Georgia, obviously number one. So the two, the headliners left are, I got Auburn at four and Ole Miss at three. And I'm sorry, but they're both undefeated and they both, Auburn's win at Cal is looking pretty impressive. And Ole Miss has beaten the best group of five team. It just blew out a power five team. Ole Miss Alabama this week is worth watching. Interesting. Ten um, years to the date. I mean, ten years after Lane Kiffin got fired by USC, by the way. It it was that, and there was a really good article that I sent you, um, you about did. how he has changed his life and he holds devotionals before every team meeting. I know we all think that I think Lane, that's fake. Well, we all think that Lane's <laughs> fake, but I did have somebody. I will say this: I'll back him for uh, just a second. I I had somebody that actually was a pastor that said um, through a mutual friend that is now a chaplain at Ole Miss that he, he believes Lane is, is being truthful in that he is less about himself than he is about um, this family. And that was the tenor of the story from the LA times. And remember this, he didn't take the Auburn job. I was told that was because of his family. I kind of go, he, 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 that's not true. Um, but he said that was a big part of it and actually went into that for the first time on the record. Again, everything with Lane and everything with coaches, I take with a grain of salt. Caleb, I'm not a fool. I don't just say I'm, I believe it, but I'm more apt to believe it. I'm 70, 30, believe it. You're, you sound like you're 30 to 70. You don't believe it. I never believe people when they talk about devotions or Bible study or things like that. No, that's what, I don't know if you know, I, guys go Google the Tyler summit situation with what got him forced him to step down as head coach. He says he and his new wife, you know, do Bible study every day. I'm like, okay, nice cover for breaking up a family and having the most inappropriate relationship in the history of college athletics. So, yeah. you know, do your, Hugh freeze tweets more about the Bible and his love for God than anybody and did beforehand. Okay. Okay. Sure. That's pretty fair. I mean, I can't argue with that college football week three takeaways. Um, I think Tennessee fans should be excited about what Deion Sanders is doing because he is doing it with uh, the transfer portal. He is doing it with a good culture which Tennessee has despite the fact that we've certainly nitpicked and said some things about the Vols which were terribly positive on the show today after the loss to Florida including an off the field incident 
but I, I think there's some similarities between their, the way they're running both programs. The difference is Josh Heupel is ultimately the offensive coordinator, the offensive coach, whereas Deion Sanders turns everything over. But I'm telling you, if you haven't had a chance to watch Shador Sanders, I know Mel Copper just got out of a hole and put him as the third best quarterback on the um, on his upcoming NFL draft list behind Drake May at North Carolina and Caleb Williams at Southern California. I'm sorry, Shador Sanders is better. He will go number one. He has light feet. He wants to stay in the pocket. However, I got a chance to watch a lot of that game. He's a bigger Bryce Young. Yes, that's yes, pretty. I mean, we have to that's pretty strong, crazy praise. But that's where I, that's what I that's what I believe. Yes, Shador Sanders is incredible, and he's clutch. That 98-yard drive after – I mean, remember, Travis Hunter is hurting the game because I, I don't want to say that was a cheap shot. I think you're, you, you're worried – you're a defensive back. You're worried the guy's going to catch it. You lean in to try to knock the ball out. He wasn't going to catch it. You're not thinking about whether or not he catches the ball. But the 98-yard drive was huge. No, Shador Sanders is incredible. And Deion Sanders in Colorado, they're, they're balling. And quite honestly, it's, it's, it's going to change a lot of, of, of the – future of college football particularly with the big 12 where they're going to go next year being so focused on being a lot newer and flashier Dion's a perfect fit i try not to look at the message board all the time because it throws me off but travis got me he said speaking of hookers hugh freeze baptized someone last week he did that's, he did did he really i thought that was like some sort of weird religious sex joke okay no he actually um, did a baptism last week because he's a fraud uh, okay. All right. Uh, At least Bobby well, Petrino never pretended to find Jesus, by the way. Give him that. Well, I don't want to get into all that, but Pac-12 as a whole uh, is uh, still looks dominant. It does, and it's not going to exist in a year, which is uh, absolutely bizarre. Is this uh, a rare year where the Pac-12 is better than the SEC? No. Honestly. No. No, not if they played 1-12, to and I know the SEC has 14 teams, but 1-12 to – the SEC is winning in the trenches, but the Pac-12 quarterbacks, and this is my takeaway, Pac-12 quarterbacks are way better. Oh, I and agree. The trenches versus quarterbacks, I think you neutralize things at that point. It's debatable. I mean, I'll, I'll, I will tell you that it's, it's, it's debatable, and that's saying something because I wouldn't have said that uh, three it's weeks It's a random ago. year. It's not going to happen every year. but Right. Well, because there's not going to be a Pac-12. <laughs> SEC is wide open. Yeah, it is. A big part of that's quarterback play, right? Yes. By the way, you guys can all thank me. I told y'all my I told y'all to bet against Mike Bobo, one of the worst offensive coordinator hires ever. And it's looking more and more like that every day. Georgia has a horrible offensive coordinator. They have a terrible offensive coordinator. He's garbage. Uh Missouri's kicker bailed out Eli Drinkwitz. He did a 61-yard bomb that looked like it would have been good from 70. And it was only 61 yards because Eli Drinkwitz took a delay of game to get lined up. It should have been a 56-yard field goal. How do you take a delay of game off a timeout trying to line up for a field goal? That would have thrown me off as a kicker, and I would have missed it. I would have shanked it. Texas, Oklahoma are back to carrying the Big 12, and they're going to be real factors, especially Texas in the SEC, immediately next year. Yes, yes, I, I, I may have misread Texas. I'll, I'll take the L on that. I'm still not so sure on Oklahoma. 
haven't played anybody, but those are the clear cut two best teams in the Big 12. Iowa State lost to Ohio. Iowa State has the worst offense in the state of Iowa now, and that's crazy to think about because there's a team called Iowa in the state of Iowa. But Iowa State has the worst offense in the state of Iowa. They had a bad loss. Obviously, Kansas State losing to Missouri. And then and then as we're going to go to with the next takeaway, Oklahoma State getting blown out by South Alabama. Yeah, and I'm going to totally disagree with what you said about Mike Gundy joins Dabo Sweeney as coaches falling behind. I thought Mike Gundy's always been behind. I don't. I think he maxed out what was possible. He had them a fluke upset away from playing in the national title game in 2011. And if not for a plane crash that totally distracted the football team that day, they win that game and they're playing for the national title. He's maxed out what you can do at Oklahoma state, but he's 20 years. He's 20 years at a school that's well-funded and he almost lucked into a national title. I mean, this I look, it's better. We can agree to this. We can agree to disagree, but I think he's, you want to talk about Dion being a shyster? I think Mike Gundy's more of a shyster. I think he's the guy who gets his agent, who's probably Jimmy Sexton, and he gets him to continue to use leverage to to keep the job, and he kisses all the babies, and he hangs on with nine-win seasons. Ugh, that's the guy that I'd die. I would hate covering that guy. FSU survives. Yeah, and I don't think people should panic about FSU. It was a 31-16 to 16 lead at Boston College in Boston, just – you know, they were looking ahead to this week to Clemson, and I think they're still okay. I still don't believe in them. I'm going to say that. I'm not giving up. I think the beginning was a fluke, and I'm going to hold out hope. I don't I don't change my opinions based on one month of play. I'm going to tell you guys that right now. So okay. I and then you, sorry, and then you got number eight. Finally, college football really begins this week. Uh, it's an elite slate. We, we really get rolling this week. Where will college, college football has got to fix its imbalance? Seven top 25 games where you're not going to be able to watch all. You're going to have to choose on which ones to watch at certain times versus none last week. I'm trying to tell you that that's all going to get fixed with a playoff. I've told you that. And they're going to be slotted just like the NFL. You're going to have your one, your four game, and your your uh, uh, night game. And that's the way it's going to work. Uh, college football Heisman race. You've got Michael Penix of Washington, number one. Shador Sanders, Colorado, number two. Sam Hartman. Notre Dame quarterback number three, Caleb Williams, USC number four, Cameron Ward, uh, Washington State number five. I take my Heisman vote very seriously, so I, I have not really dove into Hartman, Williams, or Ward and what they've done this season. But I am, I have seen a good bit of Phoenix and Sanders. I would have Sanders slightly above Phoenix, but if I dove into it, you could probably change my mind. If I test Sanders, but production right now, it's Phoenix. What Phoenix did on Saturday was just incredible at Michigan State. I know it was Michigan State. They're a disaster right now. But Michael Phoenix Jr. is amazing. And by the way, how about State of Washington quarterback play with Michael Phoenix Jr. and Cameron Ward? Phoenix seems like he throws up 380 or 360 yards and four touchdowns every week. Texas, Florida State, Colorado, Utah, Miami, Ole Miss, North Carolina, Washington, Georgia, Oklahoma. That's your college football Top 10, I like the way Caleb does it because it's very volatile and it should be, but I still would take Georgia to win a national title out of that group if I had to pick one team. This isn't who I'd pick head-to-head. I agree with you. This isn't who I'd pick head-to-head. This isn't who I think Vegas should favor. This isn't projections. This is your body of work right now. Georgia's best game is a 24-14 win against the South Carolina team that we don't really believe a lot in. So I can't put them in the top five right now. Based on body of work, Texas, Florida State, and Colorado have the best body of work. Say what you want about Colorado looking ugly last week. They got two power five wins. 
So they belong in the top three. And Utah, look, that win over Florida looks a little bit better now, doesn't it? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And uh, the not-so-professional drummer says, funny how the NIL and Portal have spawned all this controversy. It's good for ratings for sure. We loves our drama. Yes, we do. And then Travis says, Hooker has seen quite a bit of Phoenix. Have a good uh, day, <laughs> morning, afternoon, whenever you're watching. Hit that like and subscribe button and be sure that you have your notifications on. That Sunday show with Fred is up. The Ball Report with Cooper Mays brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning is up. The Ball Report with Jacob Warren brought to you by Doctors Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. That is up as well. We want to thank Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT. Get a free awesome piece of swag with any order available most anywhere in the United States of America. It's awesome. Thank you, everyone. We love the interaction. Weekdays, 10 a.m. on YouTube, and then wherever you want to podcast, we are there. Please leave a review. We greatly appreciate that. It helps us get out there even more as the family continues to grow. And uh, for Uncle Eddie, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a, just kidding, Caleb. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.